Welcome to Thank God It's Monday with Tony Aliogen Arafel. Today, our subject is on fear in the workplace. Fear is endemic in many organizations. Leaders use it to keep order or to drive their teams to higher levels of performance. Colleagues use it in winning the challenge of gaining the boss's attention. Teams use it to increase their power base in organizations. Companies use it to intimidate the competition. In the post-pandemic workplace, it's arguably even more widespread, with job insecurity rife and employee worrying about health issues and a myriad of other issues the COVID-19 situation has forced upon us. Once in the short term, triggering fear can be a very effective tool to get results. In the longer term, it is very costly. Employees' physical and mental well-being can be damaged so that they do not perform well, which impacts the company's bottom line in the long term. One thing is clear. A fearful person or team is less innovative and less likely to perform well. And I think some employers are taking notice and doing whatever they can to give employees tools to manage stress. Some workplaces now offer mindfulness training, meditation spaces, and the promotion of social connections. Managers have been encouraged to create safe work environments where people can admit mistakes. These efforts are great, but fear and anxiety can often be the physical manifestation of certain narratives that are lodged in the inner recesses of our mind. And for us as Christians, we must find God-centered, practice-based perspective on dealing with anxiety. For instance, we might have an inner murmuring in which we tell ourselves, I'm not good enough, or I don't really belong here. Behind these thoughts is a narrative about worth. Am I worthy of respect and love? Or we might become paralyzed at work as we tell ourselves, I can't make a mistake or if I show weakness, others will learn I am a fraud. Behind this thought is a narrative about control. Can I fully control my circumstances? Or, if work isn't going well, you may think, things will never get better, or I am doomed to fail, or I will never get ahead. Behind these thoughts is a narrative about hope. Do I have hope for my future? These questions embedded in larger frameworks of worth, control, and hope are powerful drivers of our emotions. They are also themes the Bible often addresses. Counselors speak about the power of self-talk, the inner monologue we use to narrate a life experience. Self-talk can be almost oppressively negative, like, what were you thinking, you idiot? Or the opposite side is mostly cheerful and encouraging, like, I am fully capable of getting this done. It often exists at an almost unconscious level. We don't always or even usually notice the self-talk in our heads. Nevertheless, it can become more regulated and intentional through disciplined practice. We'll take a break here and I'll be back shortly. Talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments 
Welcome back. Throughout history, Christians have acknowledged that the gospel truth must be driven down into the hearts through constant practice and meditation, or if you like, through self-talk. The gospel speaks deeply and profoundly into matters of worth, identity, and hope. Jonathan Edwards, in his brilliant sermon on Romans 8:28, grounded the gospel in these three themes. The familiar scripture reads, and I quote, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. End of quote. Edward told his listeners there were three reasons why they could be happy and free from worry. First, all the bad things in our lives would eventually work out for our good, like a sharp medicine. This truth is fundamentally about control we can be set free from the need to control all outcomes. For God is already directing every circumstance to turn out, in the end, for our good. God is at work in and through us, even amid the deepest trials and disappointments in our workplaces. Second, we cannot lose the good standing we have been given in Christ. This truth is about worth. In lavish mercy and love, God calls us beloved children. The one whose opinion matters above all others says we are dear to him. There are times when, at work, we are tempted to think we are worthless, but God, through Christ, doesn't waver in his tender love towards us. Third, eternal gladness and joy is prepared for all who are in Christ. This truth is about hope. The good man, Edward said, has a well-grounded hope that what he loves now above all things he shall then enjoy to the full of his desire and whatever little beginnings of pleasure he feels now, he is assured shall bestow the highest perfection without the least mixture of the contrary. In the low points and sometimes severe challenges of work, we are able to see, however dimly, a bright, infinitely joyful future. These three themes of the gospel must be driven down into our hearts through practice through Bible memorization, through songs, through sermons, through conversations, through books and articles. We must cultivate a lifestyle of fellowship with communities of people who are inhabiting these practices and perhaps others that combat fear and anxiety. When we know and believe this truth, we won't be anxious, but rather, as Edward said, happy in whatever conditions we find ourselves. Let us pray. Dear Lord, you know that we live in a crazy and chaotic world. You also know my struggles in my daily life. 
when life gets to be too much, please help me to come to you. Calm my thoughts and emotions and open my heart to your peace, comfort, and wisdom. Help me not to live in fear. Please help me to reduce the feelings of fear and anxiety that plague me. Help me to rest in you and trust you as I navigate through this broken world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please send me any questions and contributions you may have at hello at tonyaliogena.com. Thanks for spending time with me here today. Do have a blessed week. Credit goes to Mark Rosten and the Gospel Coalition for today's episode.